off with how you got into photography. What was it that first drew you in? And then from there, how did that evolve into photographing people? Uh, well, I started off at school, to be honest, when I was like 14, 15. And um, back then, we used to shoot these, I can't even remember what sort of cameras they were, but really old film cameras. And uh, we would shoot and develop our own black and white film. And that's what really got me started. Uh, but I, I didn't, although I, I did actually take a lot of photos growing up and like just personal stuff, I didn't get into photography until much later, so until I was about 40, around about 40. That's when I really t- started taking it seriously. But um, what got me into it again was I used to work as a graphic designer for okay. uh, a, one of the well-known banks. And um, part of my job there was actually taking photos and laying out a magazine. And um, it kind of built from there to the point where it was kind of taking over from the graphic design and I was enjoying it so much uh, that I ended up going out and buying a a little studio kit. Uh, And um, about 10 years ago, I actually went into a studio, spent a bit of time with a model, and the model just, uh, for her, it was a job. Um, just a, an independent metal model. And for me, it was just sort of trying to learn what I had in my head and seeing if I could actually translate that into the, the photos that I wanted, uh, mainly sort of fashion stuff. And um, she turned around to me at the end of the session. It was only a half-day session in the studio. I'd never done it before. And she turned around and said, like, Brian, you've really got something here. She said, I really want these images for my portfolio. And mm-hmm. I've kind of looked back over the years. It's it's become a job. Um, I've probably been full time now for about seven years. Uh, uh, I'd never really envisaged that. It, to me, it was just going to be a hobby, and it, it kind of took over. That feeling of someone saying that they wanted your images. Obviously, you were coming into it from a, I guess, a disposable point of view in the sense that the images were a part of the journey for you to get what you wanted. Maybe they weren't the images that you thought would be the ones people would kind of. Um, be after what was that feeling like when someone said i really want these images oh that was it was great there's there's nothing like it it's um i mean i still get that buzz now even when i do a test and it's just literally just i want to test a light setup or i just feel like just creating and the models are just like well these are some of the best shots i've had and when you get that there's nothing like it but that first one was a bit of an eye opener because it was it wasn't something that I had in mind to do as a job, and that day that changed. Well, it's funny, right? Because if you photograph people, you can get that feedback because they're the subject, but they can interact with you. Whereas if you do something like landscape or still life, the subject can't interact with you and give you that same feeling. So it's something that's really unique to people photography. Oh yeah, hundred percent. It's um, it's photography for me. It's like I, I'm not the same as everybody else. I mean, I take photos when I go away like a couple of years ago we went to Australia for six weeks and um, I was shooting the whole time but it was of scenery landscapes that kind of thing it's not the same thing it's no. um, I've done still life and it's I, I really miss the human interaction and that's I think that's why I love people photography so much because it's it's such a collaboration and you meet so many different people that it's it's not something that you get in any other genre. 
I mean, you said that you went into a studio wanting to get the images that you had in your head and figure out how to kind of create them. How did you come about those images? What were your influences in the early days when you first started? Oh, very much uh, like the old supermodel era, like 80s and 90s. That's what really got me going. I was always a big fan of that kind of thing, like early Peter Lindbergh, um, Abaddon, all your usual sort of um, old school photographers, if you like. I mean, obviously, Peter Lindbergh, we lost last year. Um, Patrick de Marchelier, who's still going. But these days, it's, um, it's, it's still that era I look back at because it's just timeless. Well, not to be um, a complete dickhead and name drop, but I'm currently editing um, an interview I did with Peter Coulson, who's um, oh, quite yeah. big in uh, over in Australia. He's a big sort of uh, fashion name and portrait name. And uh, he had a really emotional moment talking about the passing of Peter Lindbergh as probably one of his biggest influences. It was very sweet. Um, and I actually said to him that one thing that's kind of missing, I think, from current day fashion photography is that energy and that rawness. It's all become a product and it's very clean and clinical and sterile it's not exciting anymore i don't think maybe i'm not seeing it but i think like the the heyday that you're talking about the 80s and 90s when it was just kind of balls to the wall craziness and there was loads of energy and loads of vitality and the models seemed to have their own huge larger than life personalities i really miss those days yeah i do yeah it's a shame really it, i it's one of my biggest regrets that i didn't actually get into photography back then when i was a lot younger um because i, I don't know where i would have been now do you know what i mean if if i'd have actually yeah. picked up a camera back then and had the passion for it that i've got now where i would have been so let's switch up gears a little bit then let's talk about models what is it that you f- you find are the qualities that make a great model like a great subject what is it that really speaks to you about a subject uh it's it's as much about their personality as it is about their looks to be honest um mm-hmm. i can have i mean and i have had some of the most stunning models, but if the, the personality isn't there and the connection isn't there, something gets lost because I think something, a little extra something gets injected into the shots if you really connect with somebody and if you're having fun. Um, a lot of the stuff that you'll see on my website, like the portraits, the, the, the model tests, whether they're paid or unpaid, you'll find that the ones that I really sort of put out there are the ones where they're memorable to me mm-hmm. but that is not just the photos i actually remember that day really well whereas there's others that although i still love the photos i know that the, the interaction wasn't there it was more of a felt like a job and going down that line then um how do you push through when you don't have that connection to still get the photos uh, that's a good question actually <laughs> I, I think it's it's just a natural instinct thing. You, I just do everything I can to get the girls on board or guys, depending. Um, I tend to find once they start seeing the images come up on the screen, you can find that their attitude changes a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I did have one a little while ago, actually, um, last year sometime, where I think she just came in. She'd been sent in by her agency. And um, it was a Monday morning. I got the impression it was like, oh, I really can't be doing with this. Just another test. And I think that's the problem that so many models get put on tests that don't actually bear much fruit. Yeah. And they're a bit of a waste of time. 
And I think she probably thought that was what this was going to be. Um, she'd obviously been out on the way, had a nice weekend, Monday morning, <laughs> first day back. Anyway, within 10 minutes, she saw the images coming up on the screen and I shoot 10 to capture one. And um, I had my black and white settings so that it all comes through pretty close to how it's going to be when it's finished. And um, she came over and looked at the screen. She's gone, oh, wow. And her attitude changed completely. So then it was just the results really turned her around rather than me actually doing anything. Mm. Um, I'm fairly going. I'm, I like to sit and have a chat and a cup of coffee with a model, whether it's a job or whether it's a test. It's just... I think it's such a um, a personality job. Yeah. If you're not good with people, you're in the wrong job. Yeah, hundred. I mean, I'm terrible with people, but I'm somehow getting by. <laughs> so, something about your work that stands out quite massively to me compared to most of what you see uh, within the pools of of inspiration that you can see around, like Instagram and and uh, if you're on Facebook and if you're on 500px wherever you look, is that your images seem to have a little bit of a timeless thing going on. They seem to have a lot of emphasis, I think, on being pretty fantastic images in the long run. They're going to have a lot of longevity um, because they're not kind of adhering to any current trends. There's no um, sort of clambering to keep up with what uh, seems to be getting the most likes, let's say, on Instagram, which seems to be what most people are doing is just chasing these bi- these biblical followers. Is it sort of the idea of your of your images for them to have that longevity, or is that just a side effect of your inspiration? It's it's, it's a bit of both, to be honest. Um, I've never really been one for following trends. Um, I will say, but back in the early days when I first started, I was focused very much on beauty photography. Mm-hmm. So I did follow the trend of everything being pixel perfect. But after a while, that becomes very stale, and I kind of went completely the opposite way. And... Um, you, it's funny you mentioned the timeless thing because I started a project probably about five, six years ago called Timeless. And okay. I started shooting in the style that I has become my style um, as a way of like a creative outlet and getting away from that absolutely perfect skin, the, the completely unattainable beauty thing. Um, mm. And after a while, it, it, it got to the point where that's the way I just started shooting. So I actually ended up pulling the whole project and just saying, well, no, this is me. This is, this is the kind of thing that I had in mind when I first started. So it doesn't need to be a project. This is just who I am and what I want to say as a photographer. I think that's the importance of personal projects, right? For photographers is, yeah. is, ha- is having that ability to kind of scratch an itch that maybe you're not getting to with, with your everyday work, or it might end up like with, in your situation where it ends up being the next step on your journey, whether, whether or not that was what the idea was to begin with, that's what it becomes. And you've got to let that kind of happen organically. I think too few photographers consider personal projects and they're just kind of living one image to the next. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, for me, I was so driven by what other people wanted for a long time um, and looking at like, all right, if it, it, this was pre-Instagram, but looking at um, like websites like Fashion Gone Rogue, looking at the beauty images that were out there, not images that inspired me, but what was being done at the time, which was all very plasticky. Everything was flawless. And I just, I don't know, it, it just, one day I just woke up and thought, I, this is not what I want to be doing. I didn't become a photographer to become a retoucher. 
which is what it felt yeah. like. I was spending like three or four hours on one image, just making that image perfect. I look at them now and they just make me cringe. I mean, th- let's go down this avenue because I've got it in my notes. Um, you wrote, you wrote like blogs. Uh, I think you refer to as journals. I'm sorry if I'm calling them blogs and you don't like the name. No, but, that's fine. It's fine. Um, and one of them is, uh, I've got it written in my notes here in the most terrible handwriting. I'm pretty sure it's anti-retouch question mark. Uh, yes. Yeah. And it's essentially a bit of a, an insight into your attitude towards retouching and sort of the trends, I guess, that retouching are going down. And I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth. So, you know, let's talk about sort of your current perspective on retouching as it's kind of treated by most people and how you approach it. Uh, I think it depends on who you look at. Um, I think in the advertising world, it's still way overdone. Um, They're they're still trying to sell this impossible perfection. I'd love to see it go the way editorial's gone, which is far more natural. Uh, but I, I just can't see it for a, not for the next sort of couple of years. Maybe COVID might change things a little bit because I've got a feeling things might change a little bit in the industry. But um, I, I just think advertising clients are, or advertising agencies have got a set way of doing things. And it's been that way for so long that it's, taking a while to catch up. Um, for me personally, the way I approach it is if if there's something on the skin that is not going to be, is not permanent, like a scar or um, a birthmark or something like that, mm-hmm. if it's going to be gone in two weeks, like a spot, get rid of it. That's fine. Um, if it's something that's that's part of that person, don't touch it. That's that's the way I look at it. That's the way I approach it. If I can get a shot where I don't have to touch it at all, then I'm a happy boy. I mean, one of the things about your work is that it has almost a filmic feel to it. And if you're shooting tethered, you're not shooting film. Um, I'm at least smart enough to be able to figure that out. But is it a conscious effort to make it filmic because of your influence from those days? Or is it just that because everything now looks so cartoonish with the level of retouching that you are just by coincidence looking more filmic because of how much digital has shifted forward? Uh, it's a, it is a conscious thing. I do it purposely. Um, basically, if you, I don't know if you use Capture One, but Lightroom would be the same. As soon as you bring a raw image in, um, there's a certain level of like sharpening and um, colour correction that's already done as soon as you import it. Mm-hmm. I take all that away. Literally, as soon as I get the image in, I would take off all the sharpening and everything before I take it out of Capture One and into Photoshop. Sometimes it doesn't even go into Photoshop. Like if it's just one spot, then I could do that there and then. But it just in Capture One, sorry. The way I look at it is I find digital, because there is so much of advertising perfection out there, I find digital is too sharp and too perfect. And it doesn't, it doesn't really look the way I have an image in my head. I my my style. I like that nostalgic look. I like mm. the the style that got me into photography in the first place, and that's very much like where my influences come from. Is is how I want my images to look because they are timeless, and that's what I really love about photography. Is I, I kind of look at photography as something nostalgic. 
So I like my images to look that way, if that makes sense. No, a hundred percent. Um, is, is it more of a challenge than if you work with someone that maybe doesn't have the best skin because you, you, like you said about it, stuff that's not permanent, you're going to, you're going to make sure isn't a distraction, I guess. Is it then difficult to bring an image where you've got a model that isn't, isn't in a particularly healthy skin place to bring it back, but still retain that, that natural look? Yeah, it's more of a challenge. Um, I'm quite lucky that it doesn't happen that often. Um, I did have one was it just before Christmas, actually, um, where I did have that problem. Um, and it does look a little bit more retouched than I would like. But mm. because of the skin issue, I didn't have much choice. I had to do it. But it's still possible. Um, I mean, I still put a bit of grain in it. Um, just tidied the image up as much as possible without making it look too retouched but it's, it's definitely more of a challenge uh so you you said you was it seven years you've been doing this did you say professionally professionally about seven years yeah um in that time do you feel like the value of what a photographer is is going up going down because i mean i only started photography myself seven years ago total and it just seems like year on year that the idea of paying a photographer seems to be more and more absurd to some people which i find absolutely fascinating in a world where image is such an important part of it yeah, I think I think there's more people out there that have that that don't value it. Um, but equally, I still think there are people out there that really do value it. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you know, but I, I shoot a lot of child models as well. Uh, that's something I've only been doing for the last few years. But off the back of that, I've had portrait commissions from parents to shoot their kids in black and white and do something creative with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they clearly really value it because I, I had a woman who um, had her two boys come in and we, we did two separate shots, um, but so that they were within the same environment, if you know what I mean. So they looked like they were together. They looked like one shot that had been cut into two. Yeah. Um, and she's now got those, like I think they're like something like AO size prints oh, wow. side by side on the wall. And That's amazing. So from that point of view, yeah, there are people out there that do look at photography as, as just, oh, it's just a picture. Like all you do it is like taking a picture. Anyone can do that. But then you've on the other side, you've got those that are still willing to pay for it and do value for t- photographers themselves. On the commercial side, not so much. As long as you can light and take a snap, they're happy. <laughs> they still want they still want the world, but that's uh, that's probably a whole new, another subject. <laughs> it's, that almost feels backwards, though, right? Because you'd feel like they were the ones that would put more value on it. Uh, yeah, you would think they should. <laughs> they should. It depends. It's fashion's a weird thing. I don't. I don't really like to sort of call myself a fashion photographer. I feel like I'm year on year. I'm moving more and more towards portrait photographer. The clothes don't really matter to me so much. Um, when I shoot fashion, I shoot um, a lot of e-com, a lot of fashion, like lookbooks, that kind of thing. It's really, it feels like a bit of a production line. It feels like you're a bit of a button pusher. Um, mm. There's obviously, there's, I, I put as much into it as I would any other shoot, but the, the unfortunate thing is, is time is money and they want, bang out as many products as possible in the shortest possible time, as cheap as they possibly can. Yeah. But that's fast fashion. That's fast fashion. That's just the way of the world. But it's another thing that maybe 
this whole pandemic might slow down a little bit and make people uh, less profit-driven. I don't know. I mean, if we could just slow down mass manufacturing and maybe bring some 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 more bespoke feeling to what we're doing, where it doesn't just feel like we're all just picking up the same product off the shelf, that would be quite a nice outcome of all of this. I don't know. I keep getting the impression that when this is all over, everything's just going to go straight back to normal and everyone's going to pretend like it didn't happen, which would probably be the worst possible outcome. With your portraits, I do. I would call you a fashion photographer, but I'd call you a fashion photographer in the sense of attitude rather than in the sense of in the sense of styling and clothing as much. I think fashion photography is something that there are images of Kate Moss where she's not wearing brands, she's not wearing anything particularly striking, but in the attitude, it's a portrait of her, but I still find it to be a fashion photo- uh, fashion photograph by just the, the, the mood that's evoked by the photo. With your work, what's the most important element for you to create a portrait that you're happy with is it expression is it you know are you a big are you a big technical guy where it's down to like composition what, what's the most important element to you definitely not technical um i could have the most out of focus shot as long as the model looks great wouldn't bother me in the slightest in fact there are a few where i've actually taken shots that literally were just split second while i, I was actually chatting to the model and she just gave me a look and it's out of focus the expression is probably all wrong, but I love it. So technical, yes and no. I like it to be a good shot, well-framed, that kind of thing. But I'm not, I don't get too hung up on the technicals. The most important thing to me from the model's point of view, I, I want it to look comfortable. I want it to look confident um, and not overly posed. I like it to look as natural as possible. You get some models that they, they come in and it's like arms above the head and you know tilt the head and it's like no, just just be you. Some of the best fashion images that I've shot are literally the model standing there looking at me because she's got a look on her face that I, I don't, I'm trying to think of a word. It's, it's almost an attitude. It's just that, like a, a confidence that's coming from the look she's giving me, and she's literally just standing there as if she's just standing there having a conversation. There's a realness to it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. It's a, there's a realism to it. I, I'm, not, I'm really not one for overposed stuff, especially like, I mean, the whole Instagram thing. Great platform, but sometimes it can be a little bit much. Well, that's so we I've got three sort of of your journals that I kind of want to go down. We've hit one already with a retouching. You've mentioned it. So let's head for Instagram. Okay. So basically, this podcast is now coming up to towards its 60th episode. And I started it off really trying to figure out social media. And I think I'm further away than when I started. It's it's a very confusing thing. What is the importance of Instagram, do you think, to it to the current sort of stage of photography, I guess, that we're at? Is it something that's going to be positive or are we going to look back and see it as largely negative? Um, I think it's a mixed bag, to be honest. Um, I think it's, it's become a necessity. I don't think if I, if it wasn't so big, would I be on it? I, I'm not sure I would because it's become such a self-absorbed thing. And you think it's like, the way I look at it sometimes, it's like, okay, I've got this camera's cost me two and a half grand and I'm, I've got like 30 million pixels and I'm shoving it all into this tiny little square that's going to be seen on a phone. And it seems a bit pathetic <laughs> sometimes. And it's it's almost become more important than your website. Yeah. And I actually, I did, I did run this little survey a little while ago 
um, where I asked people on Instagram, where was, what was their first port of call? Was it Instagram or website? Um, and I think only about half of them said that they would go Instagram then onto the website. Some of them wouldn't even go onto the website, mm. which is, um, it's a bit sad really because it's, I say it's a, a two inch square or a one inch square is not the way I want my images to be seen. Yeah. It's become an important platform just because it's become popular. But I'd, I'd be very surprised if most photographers would be like, oh, yeah, we want a platform where we can put a tiny image on a phone. <laughs> yeah, 100%. It's, it's small in comparison to the phone as well. It's not even like you can view it larger. You're constrained by the, the crop size that they give you. It's, yeah, exactly. It seems, to be, it seems to be an anti-photography app that's been massively adopted by the photographic community purely because of its popularity. Yeah, it is. It's, it's just a, it's another way of um, getting your work out there to a very large audience that isn't just a photographer. Um, I mean, I've, I use other platforms. One I particularly like is Behance, which mm -hmm. is now Adobe owned. And I've kind of dropped off from it a little bit purely because it's like, trying to keep up with Instagram posting. I was posting every day. I made a point of it. But during this lockdown, I've kind of been taking 10 days away and then coming back and posting for a few days, then taking a little bit of time off again. Um, and it has hit my engagement, but I just don't see the point in just posting for the sake of posting. Yeah. Um, I think I, I did have pretty much two weeks off from it and it, it you know it was really refreshing it was really difficult to get back into it yeah I, I find what i think is the most toxic thing with with instagram isn't necessarily the, the app itself but is i've said for a while and i probably repeat myself so much i need to sort myself out really but i, I find the words used on instagram sometimes to be strangely religious like the idea that you have followers yeah. i find strangely religious and the obsession with the metric of how popular you are. I think the worst thing you can do, especially to young people, <clears throat> I turned 32 on, on Wednesday, so I'm far from a young person anymore. But I think the worst thing you can do to a young person is give them the ability to prove that they are more popular than someone else. Yeah, I less. think it, it's, it's a horrible way of sort of judging your worth, if you like. But I just, and there's, I mean, I'm 53. And even I find it soul-destroying sometimes. I, I can put what I consider one of my best images up, um, and it just completely nosedives. And mm. even though I shouldn't give a shit, <laughs> I actually, you do. Yeah. It's, it's human nature that you, like, you, could, you come away quite disappointed. But that, the way I, I look at it is, like once I'm a little bit more level-headed about it, it's like, don't look at how many like your image. Look at who likes your image. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I've had like some like really mainstream models that have liked my images. They may not follow me, but something somewhere has made them look at that images, image and they've liked it. And it's generally one of the ones that I consider are the really good ones and the, that don't actually get a lot of likes because it's not a girl in a thong. It's, yeah, it's something yeah. more. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, I've, I've said it before, isn't it? It's such a coincidence that the the most prominent voices of the younger generation are all the ones willing to take their clothes off. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's it's a bit sad, really, because there's, there's there's a place for that. I've got not got a problem with 
nudity in photography. And it's, um, there's, there's a way of doing it. Absolutely. I'm going to take a right turn so we move away from Depression Avenue and go to something <laughs> <laughs> a little bit more more interesting. Um, me and you share a very strong opinion on the next subject, and um, I'm going to let you just run with this. The final uh, of your journals that I'd like to refer to is to do with photography's obsession with gear. And like, do you really need this new piece of gear? And, and do you know what? I'm just going to let you run with it. Let's talk about photography and gear. Okay. Um I have been guilty of the gear thing. Um, it's cost me dearly, and um, it's not something I will ever do again. It's. I think you. There's so much marketing out there. There's so much on YouTube. So many blogs. Um, it seems like every month there's a new piece of kit coming out. Be it a camera, be it a light. Um, and it's if you're really passionate about what you're doing, it's easy to get caught up in that, get caught up in that marketing, and get sucked in by that. Um, I did it with um, when I jumped over to the Fuji system for a couple of years, and I'm now back with Canon. Um, I had, I think I had a Canon. I had two, three Fujis, and. One day I just I, I just woke up and thought, this is just crazy. I've got a camera, which is my main body. I've got a backup and I've got cameras that I use for personal work. How many cameras does one person need? How many lights does one person need? And um, I started selling it all off. And I thought to myself, right, okay, so let's, let's look at this to... What do I actually need? Now, I know if you're on a commercial job, um, it's probably a good idea to have a backup. But I look at, look, started looking at the commercial jobs that I was doing regularly. And I'm like, right, okay, so I've got a backup in case that goes wrong. Where do I shoot? Okay, I shoot in town, be it, whether it's London or um, South End was one of my main ones up until recently, um, there is nowhere that I couldn't go and pick up a digital SLR if I was really in trouble. So I've got dead money sitting in my bag just in case my camera packs up. So I got rid of that. Um, I'm now down to, I've only got one professional full-frame body now um, and one personal camera. That's not counting film cameras. We'll put those aside. But digital, that's all I've got now. And um, I, I got to the point where it was like I was looking at all of the um, modifiers I had that basically I'd bought over the years as I was finding my feet and I was working on my style, and I started selling those off. And now I'm, I'm pretty much down to probably about a quarter of the gear I used to have well, I find restriction breeds creativity. Like if you have I less gear, if, if you have, if like, if I limit, when I first started, I, my first main sort of 
what I would call like a big boy camera, like a real camera, was the 5D Mark II. And I had that and the 135mm F2, which I was absolutely obsessed with, still am to this day. Even though I'm not on Canon anymore, I still actually use that lens with my new system. And I never switched lenses. I didn't have any other lenses. And it made me learn every single quirk and issue and positive about that lens and that camera combination. And it made me get creative with the way that I was working away from the gear. I wasn't just so gear centric. Yeah. Yeah, I think it does. I mean, I've my I'm on, I've got Canon 5D Mark IV now, and mm-hmm. I very very rarely do I take the 50 mil off of that, and that's actually for portraits as well. Because the, if I if I want to shoot a portrait, but I've only got the 50 mil with me, is enough pixels there that I can actually crop that in if I want to. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to be obsessed with like, oh no, it's got to be like a um, long telephoto, like a hundred mil, 85. Um, and I've still got both those lenses, but very, very rarely do I take a 50 mil off of my body now. When it comes to actual subjects of photographs, something that I'm finding absolutely fascinating with almost all portrait photographers is that they can't name or maybe they don't want to name people that they'd love to photograph in like an ideal world. So for example, before his passing, I was absolutely desperate to photograph Chris Cornell, one of my favorite musicians, uh, and also Leddy Kravitz. And I'd also really like to photograph, there's obviously always going to be a few celebrities I'd like to photograph. I'm just wondering, do you have like a sort of bucket list of people that, that you would love to photograph? And if not, why not? Uh, I don't really have a bucket list. Um People I find interesting, I would have loved to have photographed Peter Lindbergh just purely yeah. because of who he was and how he influenced me. Um, but celebrities, um, no, it's, it's, I can't think of any one standout celebrity that is like, oh God, I would love to shoot them. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't really know why. Celebrity is not something that I'm easily impressed by. I'm more impressed by talent than I am by celebrity. Celebrity has become such a cheap thing now. Um, Mm -hmm. There are, I I would love to do something like um, Peter Lindbergh did with the Pirelli calendar, where I could literally just choose 12 actresses and, and shoot them, like really, really naturally. In your style. In my style. Bring, bring them into your world kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, but as, as far as who's the, who those actresses would be, I'm not really too sure um, because there's, I think the list would be so long. It's, it's strange. I always seem to get the answer of like, no, there's no one. I just photograph whoever's in, like whoever's in front of me. I'm, I'm interested in faces and stuff. And I always think it's kind of, it's an interesting thing because if I sat down with probably every single portrait photographer that I could think of off the top of my head and said to them, if I could give you one camera right now, what camera would you want? I think almost every single one of them would have an immediate answer that they thought about. They would be like, oh, I would want that camera. Like they would know straight away which camera they would, they, they've always wanted or they've, you know, they've been coveting for the last three months. It's, it's superseded the previous one. Whereas when it comes to subjects, people seem to be a lot less p- uh, planned ahead, I guess, or they, they seem to have a lot less. I really don't know what it is. I just find it psychologically very interesting. It's not something that people think about that much. 
No, it's it's not something I've, I've really thought about. I mean, camera-wise, I don't care. Just give me a camera. I've got an old X-Pro1 Fuji that I still shoot on now. It's eight years old. Um, I'd happily shoot anybody on that. Let's go back really quickly. Um, we'll be ironic and, and completely contradictory here and talk about gear. You went from Canon to Fuji back to Canon. Why? Okay. <laughs> That's a tough one. It, it, actually, no, it's not a tough one because it goes. It does go back to the gear thing um, and the being caught up in the marketing. Fuji was like the new thing on the street. It was something that there was a lot of talk around it. There was a lot of hype around it. Nice small cameras. Obviously, I like film cameras and the the whole look of them and the size of them. They are. They're really nice cameras to use. And I did get caught up in it. And I I kept my 5D Mark III for a long time before I sold it and went all in with the Fuji. Um, the reason I went back, not that there was anything wrong with them, um, and for natural light, I, I absolutely love them. I've never had a camera that nails white balance in auto the way the Fujis do. Um, and that's still the case but put them in a studio and it just didn't work for me um a lot of what i do if i'm working for a commercial client it's quite fast paced um like i said earlier on it's like getting through the uh, maximum amount of outfits as we can get through in a day at speed um and if i get say so I shot five, six shots of each outfit in each pose. Then I find that 50% or that's be generous, 30% are out of focus or not 100% in focus. Those shots are gone. And that's what I was finding when I moved from the X-T1 to the X-T2. Now, I don't know if I had a bad copy of the X-T2, but my hit rate for commercial work was it, it was dropping badly. Um, I didn't like the raw files. The colors weren't the same as they were with 16 million pixel sensor. Um, and there was no tethering, which was a big one for me. Um, tethering, although it doesn't bother me if I can't tether for personal work for model testing, that kind of thing. When it comes to client work, they need to be able to see that coming up. And I couldn't do that at the time, although that's been um, fixed now and you can actually tether directly to capture one now. I did have a workaround for it, but it was a bit slow going. And, um, yeah, that coupled with losing focus quite a bit with the new sensor, the colours, it, it was... There was a day where I just sat down and I was like, right, okay, I'm not sure what's going wrong. I did have a lens that went back to Fuji. That got fixed. Um, then I sat down one day and I was looking through some old shots on the Canon and all of a sudden it was like, I need to go back to Canon. There's just something about the files that isn't there with the Fuji. And... Um, it depends because I, well, I wouldn't buy a new Fuji now. I still use my old X Pro One, but that's the old 16 million pixel sensor. 
And I think the trouble is Fuji became a bit of a, a victim of its own success there um, because you, the consumer wanted like onboard image stabilization. They wanted sharper images. They wanted more pixels. And they kind of lost that uniqueness that they had. They're still really good cameras, but they're just another digital camera. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I I had the um, XT2 um, as uh, a view for it to be where I transitioned from Canon. I had the XT2. I had an absolutely atrocious trip to San Francisco, um, which was just the worst um, vacation of my life. Came back, didn't like any of the files I got from the XT2 and got rid of it. Uh, last year, decided that I had put too much of the experience onto the camera and gave the X-T3 a try. Really enjoyed the use of it, as I did with the X-T2, I enjoyed the use and switched over to um, Fuji. And whilst I did really enjoy it, um, there is definitely a difference in the files. There is definitely a difference in the sort of... It's a very hard thing to give the tangible reason for, but I find Fuji RAW files are very thin and they don't take a lot of abuse well, so you can't push them around too much um, like you can with a Canon or with a Sony or with a Nikon file where you can kind of really manipulate it and see what it's got to give. They tend to break down quite quickly. My wife wasn't happy with Fuji at all and we shoot weddings together so she was like I, I want to go back to Sony and I'm sick of editing two separate camera systems so I was like fine I'll just go to Sony. If it makes my life easier then I'll just do that and to be honest with you I haven't really looked back in the sense of the images, just in the use. Like Sony's menu system is completely stupid. Um, it was designed by someone in a Japanese um, torture camp, I think, just to <laughs> make the people that are working on them hate themselves. But Sorry, that was to say that's why I didn't go Sony. It's a very good reason. And if I didn't love my wife quite as much as what I do, I probably wouldn't have gone Sony either. But there you go. Last thing I'd love to ask you, um, and again, thank you so much for taking the time to do this, um, is just... So you're, you know, you said you're seven years into it professionally. If you go back today and talk to yourself on day one, when you started professionally, what piece of advice would you give yourself? Uh, don't follow trends and don't get caught up in the marketing for camera gear. Sounds like a good shout. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very um, good value for money advice to give yourself really in the long run. Yeah. I mean, that's like I say, I, I did, um, find that was a costly experience changing camera systems twice and buying all that gear was just stupid but you live and learn exactly i really like i said i really do appreciate you taking the time to do this what we always do at the end of these is make sure that people know where they can find you so where is your evil instagram account and your website uh, evil instagram account is just brian rolf photo or one word and my website is brianrolf.co.uk and you have some fantastic little articles blogs journals whatever people want to call them but you have some fantastic stuff on there to read as well as your really 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 good work that um you don't get the the attention that i think you deserve if we're going to pretend that the follower numbers really actually matter anyone that does stuff that's filmic i'm always happy with oh brilliant thanks chris appreciate it Thank you.